0: Hail and well met, travelers. Welcome to the tavern. Did you know this is the place where more than half of the greatest adventures in history have begun? But before those adventurers took their first steps, they watched and calculated who would join their party. Why, look over there. There's a mighty barbarian from the Frozen Lands. Strong, mighty, full of honor and wisdom. I happen to know that one. They go by Matt Rossi. And look over there to the right. That woman working away on her Mechanical dog? She's cunning, witty, and I've seen her bounce more than her fair share of ne'er-do-wells out of here before I can even blink. I have to know that she goes by the name Liz Harper. And me? Oh, my name's Joe Perez. And I'll be your tavern key. Welcome to Tavern Watch.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to a special Tavern Watch, where we're going to talk about the recently completed reaton campaign uh it's myself liz joe as always and also special guests uh and stickney and deb I, I don't know your last name deb i'm sorry I, I do know it but i can't like can't get it to focus in my head so if you want to tell people what it is it'd be great
2: my last name is montague
1: thank you i was gonna say montour because i know a montour and i know that wasn't right
2: <sighs> I was gonna say capulet
0: <laughs> i think that every single time every time okay
1: but regardless, uh, this is kind of an interesting thing to do uh, that I've not done before. I've, I've done postmortems, but I haven't streamed them. Uh, so that should be kind of interesting. Uh, why don't we go along? We're, we're going to have everybody who played in the game who's here right. to introduce themselves and talk about their character and so forth. Uh, then we're mm-hmm. going to start doing the, the the what Liz called inside baseball, uh, which is a fascinating term to me. I'd not heard it before. Um, really, I don't really? think I have. I don't think I have. If huh. I have, I've forgotten it.
0: That's a, that's um, actually very surprising. I don't. It's,
3: it's a very care. American MLB kind of thing, and he's from Canada. Remember? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is. It
0: Matt, is. no, Matt, Matt. We we've established Matt grew up in the states.
1: Yeah, I was. well,
2: born yeah. In the but states. If, if you're not a baseball fan, right. or yeah. a sports ball fan, it's not necessarily a.
0: See, I was I always heard it as a, car, a common parlance, but okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. I never. I just was not aware of it regardless <laughs> uh now that we've had that subtract into where i'm from and what i know about baseball which is not a lot i played football in it um uh, we're gonna throw this over uh, i'm gonna start with Anne, since her name starts with an a
3: oh hi what do you want me to talk about gosh
1: but tell us your character like well you i played
3: play. mischief who ended up being a level 16 tiefling rogue and took a really wild journey that i was not expecting i man i don't even remember i need to like go back and look at the the background that i sent you because i think all i established was that she ran away from home because her dad was terrible and like her mom didn't notice and then you turned it into this weird thing
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. You said I think you said stepdad. That's why I
3: stepdad. Yeah, yeah. it was a step. It wasn't her father, father. It was her stepfather because he wasn't a tiefling. Neither one of them were tieflings. Yeah. So it was like, where did the tiefling come from? And turns out that mom was a tiefling, sort of, in one aspect. And yeah you went really wild with that. You went way weirder than I expected with that. Like you took that and you ran with it and I really appreciate it. <laughs>
0: so, I for, for, for anybody who hasn't listened to the campaign, maybe explain that a little bit or go into it a little bit with, between you two. Like how, how, yeah. did, that, how did that idea our, blossom out?
4: Or maybe start with, uh, you know, we are going to talk about kind of the behind the scenes of the Riotan campaign, which we just finished. And uh, if you haven't listened to that, you may want to start there. This is like the behind the scenes version
3: yeah, because we're going to be talking about spoilers on F- everything. Yeah, oh, yeah. There so. will be
1: spoilers, don't even... Oh, yeah. But it, you can you can go to our site. We've got links up. We we will put a link when we post this to the site as well. Uh, you yeah. can absolutely go catch all the episodes. There's 19 of them. Uh,
3: They're nowhere near as long as Critical Role, so...
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it actually doesn't take nearly as long to get through this. No. Uh, but, yeah, um, what, it, what I remember, and uh, I don't have it in front of me to look at it, but I remember is... Anne was one of the players who who really dug in and gave me some stuff to work with. She she said, "Okay, uh, I want to play this tiefling. Her name is Mischief. She's a runaway from home. Her you know her mother seems distant. her Her father, her stepfather, is terrible, and so she wanted to escape that. And I was like, okay, why is the mother distant? Why is the mother with this person who is a terrible role model? Why why are they? What's going on there? And." I mean, I could have gone with something a little simpler uh, because I ended up going with your mother is, in fact, one part of a being who used to be one person but split themselves into three persons because they had a tremendous amount of self-loathing uh, and they married the person they married because they secretly wanted to be with someone who reinforced their self-loathing. And then you were born a tiefling, blah, blah. You know, it was, it got really complicated really fast, but I, I decided that that was the kind of thing that we could tease out. Yeah, that we didn't have to have like a big dump of here's your mom's backstory, but instead I could play with it. And one of the things that Ian brought in that I really liked uh, was the idea of tiefling usernames, which I had not noticed in my previous explorations of d d that a lot of tiefling names aren't like a name. It's just, you know, a, a, it's like a, an aspiration or a personality trait. And I was like, huh, mischief. And I thought about that one for a while. And then I hit upon the idea of caution as, as a name for a tiefling paladin. And I was like, that'd be interesting. And then I hit, well, but you know, can't have caution without recklessness. You got to have recklessness. So then you had caution and reckless. And I'm like, who are these two? And they, they, They're kind of like sisters, but they're not sisters because they're actually the same person. And I'm like, what if they're the same person at, because... There's a there's a triune aspect to the whole game. I don't know if people notice this, but in the campaign, there's a triune aspect to all sorts of things. Yeah, there's a three-in-one aspect to a lot of different stuff in the, in the campaign. That's that was a deliberate choice, and so I thought that'd be an interesting triune aspect to have. And it helped that Anne played mischief so in tune with her her name that it was pretty easy to steer it along to weird places, because we had Mitch, who was the chaos gremlin of the campaign <laughs> but mischief was very much the i'm not going to allow things to be stagnant character like mischief would push things along mischief would get things moving Whereas, <laughs> you know who knew where mitch was going to take the things but a lot of times if i knew if i needed something to happen i knew if i just waited long enough and would make it happen so that's why i decided to give her the really complex backstory uh, as opposed to other people who had simpler ones that I felt like they could they could hang out in. I brought in other people's backstories as well. Um, not all of them as well as I wanted to. I didn't do Corey's as well as I wanted to. Uh, Deb's was straight up scrambling on my part, and and we'll get to that because Deb is here and she's going to talk about her character and we'll we'll have that conversation. But mischief, it was very much and I, I I knew Anne could handle it, mm. and I already knew Joe's one was was d- completely different. I'd already lined that one up. Like he got lucky and that he was I think you were a session late, Joe? No, I was there from day one.
3: Well he was there from day one, yeah. Who was the late person? Was that Mitch? Mitch was, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's why Mitch ended up being just the the ball of the spiky ball of confusion. (laughs) But I I remember I pinned on Joe that the you know, the the bad guy of the campaign was gonna be pinned onto Joe.
0: Yeah, that was interesting.
1: Yeah. I knew that was going to be the, case. I knew you could, you could deal with that. So, but I was like, I need somebody to be like the motive force here. I need somebody to, to kind of be like the team glue and to be the, the team, you know, the person who would, would keep the team on task to a degree. And so I, I made that, made that in with some of that being Liz as well. But Liz was more like, I, I imagined based on what Kanahe was supposed to be, that, that Liz would be a very good, let's just get this over with character. And, and that's she was. <laughs> and that's how it ended up being. Like very much Conagh just wanted this over, whereas uh Mischief wanted to explore it. So that's 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 how I remember it. I don't know what if you've got anything further on it that I've forgotten. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I still didn't get us to the city.
0: <laughs>
1: no, no, that's true.
0: Nothing dead. Whoops. Sorry about that. I'm gonna be apologizing that for to that for Rossi for a long time.
3: No, no, I love how dope. it happened, though. I love how it happened, where yeah. it was like, "Now you are there, <laughs>
4: yeah. and you have to do things.
3: <laughs>
1: you have to interact with my fantastic magical city."
4: Uh, yeah, but, I right. mean that. I think that it feels like the magical city was kind of like the big turning point where things went off the rails, at least for you.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to move on to to Deb here. Let's okay. Let's, like, Deb, yeah, yeah, should. yeah. Deb, go ahead and introduce yourself and your character.
2: Hi, I'm Deb and I played Medeal, uh, who was a dwarf cleric.
1: Do you remember anything of the backstory you sent me?
2: (laughs) I opened up my um, (laughs) (laughs) documents folder, and I have a folder that says (laughs) D&D, and at the very top of it is Medeal's backstory. (laughs) <laughs> Which is one, two, three, four, five paragraphs long, and that's it.
1: And so I, I remember the the key thing I honed in on on Deb's backstory for Medea was the idea that Medeal was unhappy with the role in her life, and that she didn't right. like didn't interact well with her family. And I didn't want to do that thing where you bring in the parents and and have like a bunch of storm undang, but I did want to bring the character's backstory in. And it was, it was actually took me a long time to figure out how to do it. It wasn't until the, the big let's not go to Pia It's a silly place as you know, moment in the campaign that I figured out how to bring her, her family in, in the form of Malachi, the evil dwarf warlock, a personable, but evil. Um,
2: It says in the backstory, a cousin decided over the objections of elders. Hang on. I'm getting, there we go. Over family to set sail for riches untold. Medill was asked to christen and bless his boat. That side of the family made a sizable donation to the temple, and she had to. Well, the cousin has never been heard from again. Yep. This has been used to prove uh, that A, dwarves are not to be sailors, and B, Medill should have told him this was a bad idea.
1: Yeah, and so I decided to bring him in as the captain of the now flying uh, evil pirate ship although it was a nice evil pirate ship i think you guys made good use out of it and i think the ultimate distillation of medial's character is when confronted with her own god mm-hmm. Medil decides no i want to take a nap now and thus the big backstory dump that i was going to do didn't happen so a lot of you you will never actually know what was going on at the very end there because Nadia decided she didn't want to hear it, and that you was aren't gonna, that was you are not going to tell us now. Uh, not all of it, because some of it I want to keep hold on to in case I want to use it in the next campaign. <laughs> but I will, I will share some of it. Uh, but yeah, that was that was to me that was the the hook for the backstory of that character was the tension with their family, the tension with the the role that they were expected to perform this blessing ships thing about, and I I, I liked that idea. So I I grabbed it and ran with it. And it basically helped because I had had a lot of encounters planned for Piodor, the magical city. Mm -hmm. And since you guys wouldn't go there, I then had to basically put those encounters on the flying pirate ship. (laughs) So the, the whole deal where you're in the hold and you're trying to get through and there's the giant monkey and all the weird stuff that's in the hold of the ship, that was actually going to be the first level of evil willyars base you were going to go in and it was going to be like that i mean the monkey wasn't going to be there but i i did have to do some tap dancing but yeah that that, without medial's cousin who i named malachi because i don't think you named him deb
2: no he's he does not have a name he just is a cousin
1: i just named him malachi because why not um but because i i had to get you guys i had to do something with all those encounters because i didn't have time to redesign all of them i ended up just putting one on the boat and then the next one also on the boat like you guys could very well have had like a like a big climactic fight with the will clone at the top of the the temple i mean the top of the tower that you guys saw at the end session you could have had that fight way earlier and it would have been the fight that you had on the boat Except then you wouldn't have gotten sucked into the plane of Acheron, and you would have had to figure out how to get there yourselves. Um, but because you were on the boat, it was pretty easy to just crash it in at or Acheron wasn't really a problem.
2: I so, yeah. enjoyed the boat. I really enjoyed it. It was, that was that's one of my my um, best memories of it. And and it, where do you think your character is gone now? Medea's left the temple. She's freelance healing, going out and helping people. But I also envision her occasionally running around with Malachi going, okay, um, you know, I stumbled onto this problem. Can you come and help me? And having her go, I got to bail your stupid butt out again. But inside being, oh, boy, another adventure. Where are we going this time? That type of thing. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed those.
1: I don't know if he actually got another he, – he probably got another boat, but it won't be the same.
2: Right. It would not be the same. But it, it well, just – I envision him and his undead crew just flying all over, just getting into trouble occasionally, et cetera, and, and having to come find Medeal wherever she is to bail them out.
1: All right. Uh, at this point, we'll move on to Liz. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself and your character, Liz. And then, you know, Hello. Ask-
4: uh, I am Liz, and I played Kanahe, a water ganase sorceress, um, and she, I think I had a paragraph or two on her to start with. I didn't have, I don't think I gave you a lot. I mean, she was just, she was a, a sailor, and she kind of used her sorceress powers to, like, I had the idea where she would, like, generate winds for a ship, and her last ship had crashed, and she just, you know, sunk and, like... You know, everyone was lost except her because she can breathe underwater. And being in a shipwreck, not a big deal. And that she was just, you know, really distraught over that, and hadn't gone back to sea. And she was kind of in this weird place where she didn't have anything to do with herself. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. She got sucked into this other place, and it was like she hadn't really left anything behind at this point, but she was just kind of done with everything and didn't want to get involved and was just, let's get out of here. I don't even know these people. And that was kind of her thing, the entire campaign. She kind of had this sort of, why am I here? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to put up with these weirdos? Yeah. It was interesting because
1: uh, one of the things about it was interesting because it, it, I had to come up with reasons why each of your characters had been brought in. Mm -hmm. And part of it was to give, evil will you're a gang mm-hmm. uh he he wanted his, a gang of people from all walks of life to support him in his machinations uh but the other reason though was because each of you had a sphere of influence or something you were attached to and in, and in medeal in medeal's case it was you know her her role as a cleric um but in your case it was very much that you were completely disconnected from your previous life uh and so nobody would miss you That is true and while that was the case he could also make use of your your characters um you know the the idea that you'd had for running a ship using your powers to like summon winds and so forth Mm -hmm. um the gust of wind spell that you used quite a few times in the campaign uh i thought about how that could have been used but with somebody as demonically intelligent as that chain devil was or diabolically intelligent i guess i should have said could find ways to make a vast amount of money with it which Mm -hmm. they then built into the empire that he was using. If, if we had had a little more time, like if I, if I decided to run it a little longer, you would have found out that you were actually a crime boss. Like you never got to find that out. Uh, The empire that you saw, the mercantile empire was in fact the cover for your pirate empire. And that, that that, that empire had been used to bring him a lot of the resources he needed to find out where the engine was and how it worked and how it was linked to that island. Mm. Because there's actually two engines. There's one on that island and then there was the one in Peador. And they're actually the same thing. Like in a fourth really? dimension in a fourth dimensional sense, it's one engine. It just has two points where it intercedes with with the world. And you guys never got went to this place, so it, it won't mean anything to you, but there's a city in the in the thing called Yunes. And UNES, the name UNES is actually a phonetic pronunciation of U-N-E-S, which is U- U- United Nations Earthship.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: And UNES was the crashed remains of a gigantic <clears throat> spaceship that's extra-dimensional. It had a jump drive, an engine that could take it into different realities. That's how it traveled. It, it's similar to Hitchhiker's Guide, where you, you have the engine that scans alternate universes till it finds the one where you are, where you need to go
3: the improbability
1: and drive? It's very similar <laughs> to that except that when it was activated it didn't work the way it was supposed to. It created a reality. Instead of taking you to a different one, it just grabbed hold of the minds of the people who were on the ship and made their their kind of shared their shared subconscious into a reality. And those people, the the original test crew for the ship are the gods. That's why Gal- they're all so human. Galia was so human because Galia was the essentially she was the security chief for the ship. Um, Ionin was the doctor, and several others were the, the people on the ship. Verth was the only divine being on that that you ex- you, you guys encountered during the, the sessions who wasn't originally a crew member of the ship. Because Verth, this reality was Verth. Verth was the, is the destroyer because Verth was the void. The nothingness of this universe. And then there suddenly this ship entered it and created a world. And Verth was like, What is that? Why is that here? This is my, this is all me. Why is this thing now in me? And thus, because of that, no one had ever attempted to befriend Verth or even talk to Verth. No one understood what Verth was. Fizzle was literally the first being to ever have a conversation with Verth. Oh, God. <laughs> no one had ever tried it. The gods just. Stole parts of Earth's existence to make their world, and then tried to defend it against him as he kept trying to unmake it. Because it's not supposed to be here. This is all me. And then one of the weird little things from that thing that just appeared inside it one day started talking to it. And I was like, "What is happening?" And so that's that was that whole thing. That that didn't that was what Medeo was going to find out. Like Galia came to Mount Medeal to tell her all this. Medeo was like, "Nope, don't want to know." Took a nap. <laughs> so that whole thing never came up. So and there's more to it, but that that was the thing that that's the thing that uh he had the other Canahays pirate empire doing. There was a raid on Unez that he had even linked, and if we'd gotten around to it, it would have been there. You would have gone to Unez and, and talked to the, the the I think it was the Admar. The Admar of Unez. It's a the person who who runs the place. And it's based on their kind of not really understood knowledge of the the ship because it was the name there was an admiral who had been in charge and mm-hmm. the title of admiral became admar mm. and you were gonna have to deal with the admar who was real mad at you even though it wasn't you who did it because you, you guys went in and stole a bunch of stuff so you were gonna have to confront like the the stuff your co- your clones had done sort of thing but it, it didn't come about but nevertheless that so was like a big part of kanehazy's presence there was a big part of the whole getting getting to the engine thing so that actually i think that worked out pretty well uh kind and i like i said earlier kanahe served a, a useful purpose she was very much the you know what what is the point of this why are we here let's like just want to get this over with uh which kept there was like a lot of tension that kept the stuff moving because we have a tendency to just go off on tangents
5: mm-hmm.
1: yeah like we you know we do that's just something for us take. what yeah yeah so <laughs> having that there helped keep the group moving even when the group moved completely away from where i was going and speaking of that hi joe tell hi. people who you are
0: <laughs> uh well you know who i am if you've listened to any of our podcasts but uh the character i played was willier Russ spark a gnome mage uh who funnily enough actually started as a joke not in this campaign, but in another game that I was playing, our group kept coming up across this thing where they kept needing a planar cosmologist but couldn't find one because it wasn't a school that existed. And so like all these harebrained schemes that the other group would try to come up with that revolved around sort of needing a planar cosmologist would fizzle because they couldn't figure out how to get around it. So I just decided. <laughs> fizzle. Yeah. Aha. So I just, I, I just said the hell with it. And I just made a planar cosmologist for your game. Uh, and I think that was really what I, what I threw together was that it was, he was a minor noble house uh, last of his line uh, wound up moving to Pia door and uh, becoming a professor. Uh, of planar cosmology in Piador, uh, and his focus was sort of like planar magic and that was sort of like the rough framework that I gave you and then you just kind of ran with it. The The evil will thing was was I thought hilarious. Um, yeah. The, the one that threw me for a loop was when you told me that I was dead. <laughs> yeah, like, like 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 everything else. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm a clone or whatever. I could deal with that. I can deal with that. I could deal with that. And then you come up with the God of Death's like, oh, yeah, you were dead. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah well he had killed you and he was wearing your body as a suit yeah and I, I thought i thought i was like an actual clone or something like that not that i had died
1: no uh you were you were an actual clone in the sense that you were the original remember the original uh simulacrum spell yeah yeah yeah. yeah. where you could the you the, the willier who died was significantly higher level than you were when you started play
0: yeah because I would, had, yeah, because the, 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 the loss that you had to do with simulacrum he,
1: he had set up the simulacrum so that if he died, the simulacrum would his soul would go into it with via soul jar and he'd you know boom, he'd be up again. Uh, but unfortunately for him, the chain devil found it and was like, "Oh, that's interesting. I can interrogate him later now and learn even more, and thus my impersonation of him will be better." So he shipped you off along with all the other people that they were working on to the island where the other, the terminal point of the engine was, because he'd found that he just needed to find the, the point that interceded into this reality, not the one that left it. Uh, so having a planar cosmologist around to help him figure out where in the planes this all intersected was absolutely important. Um, so yeah, I just, I decided that's when I figured out, okay, Joe is the big bad, um, (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'll I'll work that in the planar cosmology thing works well with what I'm doing anyway. I I know I've got like I kept throwing weird ruins at you guys, and the reason I kept doing it was because those ruins were actually parts of the ship.
0: Yeah, and I I think yeah. I, I I as a player I think and I think probably others did we started I, I at least started picking up on that after we got to like different ones and kept seeing the different things like the first transportation the first time we went through it i'm like oh okay i kind of this this sort of makes a little bit of sense i didn't realize that it was going to be the main hub of like the spire of piador that was a that was one uh one heck of a doozy
1: yeah uh, you would have found that out had you actually gone to piador
0: but you had done such a good job at hyping up the danger level of the chain duck. And I think yeah. that's and I think that's the part where you, I, I don't think you realized how dangerous you made it seem. I didn't think it.
1: I made it seem all that dangerous at all. But y'all were like, no. I think because he he got away, he got away he scot free.
0: Grabbed- he got away scot. He got away scot free. He had we our encounters with him like in the wild, uh, where he had like a group of searchers and rangers or de- like like. Uh, Like, he had a high standing in the city, higher than my character remembered having, which, again, Mm -hmm. not realizing that I was essentially the soul back in a simulacrum. So, like, he's got control. He's got a high station of power in the city. He's able to summon demons at will. Like, this is a very dangerous situation. I think we were only level, what, five, six at the time? Yeah, about that. And, like, I'm a glass cannon. Like you hit me, you hit me once or twice, and like my body goes away. Uh, and like I don't know about everybody else, and maybe I'll toss this over to you guys. Like I, I think Matt did a good job, maybe too good of a job, of just like selling the threat, right? Like yeah, I thought heador was a we death Oh yeah,
2: oh yeah. yeah, very, very, yes, Matt. I will buy snow. I live in Alaska. Um, you did a really good job.
0: Yeah. And so like you're, you're, when we were getting there, it's like, yes, I understand that that's where we have to go. But like, then I start thinking like, okay, well, what would, will do in this place? He doesn't, he doesn't think that he can handle this. He's not going to lead these people to their death because it's at this point, it's, he doesn't want that on his conscience. Uh, he hadn't really become that close with any of them yet, except for kind of mischief at that point. Cause she was the only one that treated him normal ish. Um, but, like, he's like, "So we go get stronger before we go take a fight to him because yeah. I don't want to die, and I don't want them to die either, right?
3: For me, for me, it was kind of like the thought of, ok, if he's in that high of a standing in that magical city, mm-hmm. then all he has to do is holler, and we're in deep crap because everybody's gonna listen to him nobody's gonna listen to a a low-level group of weirdos you know
0: well not only that that, but Matt also established that we were recognizable so yeah up to that point several points in time we had been recognized as our clones very like me for sure with that stunt I pulled with the trackers um but also like Conahe and other folks like you, you were pointed out like Oh, hi, so and so, you know, or or hi, Connehey, or, or or Madam, I forgot what title you used, whatever. So like, I'm thinking if we start walking into the city, that's just going to draw attention. How do we,
5: yeah.
0: I, how do we, how do we stay under the radar, right? So like, you actually presented a scenario where you 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 mentioned the other day. Uh, where you, you thought I was a very tactical player. You put me in a, a, a Kobayashi Marusan, uh, scenario. <laughs> you put me in a no win where my character's sitting there. I'm sitting there as a player looking at this through my character's eyes and my character is going, huh? I go in there. We all die. The campaign's over. That doesn't sound fun. Uh, so and I need to go figure out another way around this or an end around or go get more allies and so I started thinking, of it like almost like Mass Effect terms, like maybe I can go find allies elsewhere in the world. Uh, maybe I could use. see <laughs> a
3: couple more companions. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Or, or like maybe there's an army of dwarves out there, or, or an army of orcs that like are really angry with 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 me, and I prove that I'm not the demonic me or whatever the case is, or and convince them to go and kill them with, kill them with us or something like that. It's like let's go figure out another way around this. Uh, so you you. Your Peador situation is a, a beautiful and wonderful boiling down of a combination of your and my mindset colliding at high speed.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Because <laughs> uh, I had actually set up, there was stuff you were going to, there were people in the city that were opposed to Willier. There were, it was all sorts of stuff you were going to run into. And I ended up having to like scrap all of it and come up with something really fast, which again is why uh, Deb's character was so helpful because she had the cousin who she knew nothing about Mm-hmm. Other, like, other than she had a cousin She didn't even know his name because she'd give me one So I was like, okay, boom Here he is
3: Dude, uh, the flying pirate ship was super cool Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> flying ships are always cool
1: But, okay, I think we've That's everybody's characters uh, People who aren't here obviously can't talk about their characters But also I'll do a brief mention Corey, I feel to this day that like Corey got the least out of the campaign And I feel really bad about it Um, I, I wanted to work in more of his backstory I just didn't get around to it Um but his whole thing with like, there was a moment where he was like, I'm not going to work with pirates. <laughs> I, I like, like that. I thought that was a great moment. It was great because it's like, I'm, I'm literally about to put you on a pirate ship, man. <laughs> so You'll, you'll do what you do, but you're going to be on a pirate ship. Um, Andrew obviously joined the campaign late. Uh, his and cinnamon character. Um, basically he was like a warlock had a demonic pact. I'm like, okay, sure. There's plenty of demons and devils involved in this. It, it, it'll, it'll be fine. Um, Mitch, again, obviously, spiky ball of chaos. So, uh, I obviously, I used Mitch a couple of times. And Mitch, obviously, threw stuff at me I had no idea was going to happen. Um, his, th- I should have realized it was going to happen when, in the opening session of the game, he's trying to make friends with a gigantic sea monster that is literally hundreds of yards away from him and, and can't interact with him in any way. And he's trying to figure out how to get out there and befriend it. I should have realized this, like the ultimate... D and D character thing where they try to adopt a horrible NPC. He wants to adopt the 200 foot long sea monster. I should have realized where this was going to go, but I did not realize where this was going to go. And it, it did actually work out. It, it, it provided some interesting stuff, but yeah, the original plan. For, uh, one of the things we're going to do now is move on to the, the, to the questions that people had mentioned to me that they wanted answers to. I'll, I'll do a quick one on them. Uh, the original plan for this campaign was a one shot. I mean, there was a possibility we could do more, but the original plan was a one-shot. It's even called the one-shot spectacular. <laughs> yep. so I yeah. I was not. I was not going into this thinking that we would do a campaign. I figured you'd all see it. You'd think, wow, okay. Uh, it took a long time to get through that one session, and Matt's a bit of a bumbler, and we're we're, we're going to just not do this again. And so I I didn't stress myself on how to continue past that certain point. And then we got to the end of the first session, where Mischief, at one point, is mind controlled to jump off of the top of the spire. Only a bear sits on her to keep her from doing it.
3: That was so um, much fun. <laughs>
1: and you're all like, "Let's our, our do another one." Our
0: bear that was only there for two sessions—one yeah. in person and fact one as an NPC—showed up
3: again at the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes.
0: Um, it's like the th- it's just that thank you, it's a thank you Chuck Norris scene from from Dodgeball. That's all it was. <laughs> Like yes. Dan, Dan was just happened to be Chuck Norris. That's what, that's what it turned out to be.
1: The, the, the Elfie bear version of Chuck Norris, yep. which is vastly improved. Um, but yeah, so you guys were like, Ooh, let's, let's do another one. And I was like, wait, what you want to do more of this. Okay. I don't know if I'd sent you guys the big background document that I wrote by that point or not, or if I sent it out. Oh, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, you, you I did. It
3: was. Was it, was it before the one shot or after the one shot?
0: I don't know. It was was
3: after the one shot, wasn't it?
0: No, it was before the one shot. So Matt, Matt, you sent the entire primer document uh, with all the cities and everything before the one shot, uh, because you're, you're, to
1: give people, yeah. To give people
0: places to be from. Yeah.
3: Oh, that's right. Yeah.
5: Yeah. And so we
0: kind of already had it and then it was well received by the listeners and we had a a good crew of, a good crew of people that were having fun. Uh, people that were listening were seeming to have fun. Uh, so like, it, it seemed like a no brainer to do more.
1: Yeah. But I didn't expect that at all. I figured you guys would not want to do more of it. So I then had to come up with like an overarching, why did any of that happen? Uh, plot. And that's when I worked out like who I was going to be giving what thing to like the idea that the, the, the ultimate big bad was Joe, uh, the idea that mischief and her three moms, uh, by the way, in my conception of this mischief, uh, does not have a dad. Oh really? Uh,
3: I thought that the big demon
1: guy was her dad. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I intended you to think that. Um, well, it was all from you know, the wish, right? It was from the wish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Basically, oh. Your mischief is the second chance, like oh she, yeah, she, the the chance to get it right. Um, so in a way, you know, your mom sees you as the better version of herself.
3: Ah, that's yeah, so cute.
1: We didn't get around to that getting that all revealed out, unfortunately. Um, the, that that. One of the questions here is: Did anything you had planned for the campaign not work out? I mean, obviously, one thing I had planned for the campaign absolutely <laughs> really didn't work out. Um, but also, I, I because of the way the 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 way that our schedules worked, the way that the amount of time we had to actually run a session, like it was very hard for us to go above three hours. Um, yeah, we just really couldn't do it, and unfortunately, that meant I had to kind of elide a lot of the one-on-one role-play type stuff I wanted to do to get characters backstories more firmly involved in the game. Like I wanted to bring Corey's family into it as one example. Uh, Zelen's family, I wanted to bring them into it. Um I wanted to do more with with the the alternate clone of Fizzle who kept popping in to push Fizzle in a direction. Like the whole bit with the hand and eye of Vecna. I <laughs> I was trying desperately to get him to use the hand and eye of Vecna because that's why the cut co- the clone of him was missing an eye and a, and a yeah. hand Yep, because it wasn't a clone of him.
0: It was him for the future.
1: That was fizzle. That was
0: future fizzle. Yeah. Cause you mentioned, you had mentioned that like him and I were in similar situations.
1: Yeah. Uh, he, that was him. That was the same fizzle. It wasn't, it wasn't even a copy of him or a clone of him. It was him. It was the same guy just from the future. And, so I wanted to like that's why the hand and eye kept popping back up. You couldn't get rid of the hand and eye because Fizzle hadn't used them yet, mm-hmm. and he still hasn't used them. So if we ever go back and do another one shot in this setting, the hand and eye are still out there, and they still want to get onto Fizzle. <laughs> so that's something that might come up. Uh, but that's those are the there's a couple other things I'm sure will come up as we talk more about it. But I, I can't. It's hard for me to remember all of it because I'm, a lot of it. Look, like we didn't go to you didn't get to do the Unaz arc. Um, because we took that break because of stuff that was going on in my personal life. Uh, I, that's where the UNES arc was going to be. I was going to have you guys go to Unez and, and, and clean up what had been stolen from there as a way to, to find out where he was now. The, the, the bad fizzle bang, uh, I think- who, had, who had the name by the way, but I never actually used it. Uh, his name was Drusag. Which, if you if you're watching the New Critical Role and you have the name of the town, I'm like I was freaking out because I'm like I use I use <laughs> that, but no, it was it was it was with a D and it was you know actually a lot more consonants, uh, but yeah, I, that Drusog was his name, and the whole reason that he picked Wilfred, I mean Wilfred, was because he had actually been someone Wilfred had talked to when he was caught he was cataloging the planes, the the scene you you see. When Wilfred's got a device that he's using Willier. to catalog, Willier, sorry, I keep seeing Wilfred, sorry. Uh, Willier's got a device he's using to catalog the the cosmos, so to speak, kind of like his, his planar sextant sort of thing he was using to like map the, the universe. That was going to be more. There was going to be a whole thing about finding out how, how Willier had done it, and we didn't get around to that either because I just kept, for one thing, you guys went to the other city, um, the, the pirate city, and that took up. The, the, the shopping episode that we did, which was one of my favorite episodes. Cause there's always like, a
0: shopping episode. There's always yeah. a shopping episode.
1: I really like the shopping episode. That was one of my favorite ones, but that, that cost us a like ultimately that cost us a trip to unez uh, because you know, <laughs> you, know, you know, you can't do everything you want, but yeah. So that's pretty much all I can think about to cover here. So I'm going to throw it over to you guys. Is there anything you want to like talk about or that you want to know about that? I, that we did, or anything like that.
3: I think the thing that interested me that I wanted to know about specifically was that at the beginning, the very beginning of the campaign, mischief was awake because the helmet didn't fit on her. Did, had she just arrived, or like I, I, I guess. I'm wondering how long was everybody there and also why did they have the helmets on? Like what was the purpose of the, were, were they being scanned or something or was it just keeping them in stasis?
1: Okay. All right. There's a few things here. One is that mischief was actually, they, they were, they were operating on faulty information. Oh, they didn't know about the wish spell. They didn't know that your mother had turned into three people because the adventuring group that your mother was in is, was, was famous. Like they, they have been through the planes a few times. They've, they've, they were like all level 13 when you met them. Right. So they were going for the original version of your mother, the, the pre-wish version. Oh. And, uh, the helmets, the reason it didn't fit you is your horns are different. Right. You have bigger horns because you're the, the idealized version. You're the person that she wanted to be proud of who she was, not ashamed of it. Uh, she filed her horns off. Oh you didn't so when they they made a helmet to fit you it did not fit because you had you you had the horns and they were trying to figure it out and you woke up they they had literally just grabbed you like you had been okay. a, you'd left home like a month or so early okay uh, and in in the the version of it i'd come up with uh, the helmets were actually willier's design of course I mean, oh <laughs> they were they were in fact intended to 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 read people's minds okay um, the other willier was hoping to use it to make sure that the clones all had the proper memories to fit into the, the roles he was going to use them for. Uh, and I'm trying to think of how exactly explain this. Like Willier was going to be, he was going to mine Willier for information about the, you know, the planar cosmology to figure out where the temple in Acheron was. Uh, that was one thing he was trying to do. Uh, similarly, you know, Kanahe's life her nautical experience, uh, Zelen's life, the, the various bits and pieces he was looking for. Um, and so that's what those helmets were for. They were to, to, to basically constantly cast detect thoughts on you. Okay. While you were, they did also keep you in stasis. That was the other thing that they did. Um, but primarily they were there to uh, scan your minds. And you could have figured out how to use them that way. Like you kept the helmets, you had the helmets the whole campaign. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you could have figured out how to use them to to read people's minds.
0: I was actually one of the things I wanted to do, and we just never had time is I wanted to try to use the helmets to communicate with Mitch. Uh
1: kinda might have worked. Yeah, I, to, Yeah, I would have had to play around with it.
0: Yeah, because like I was just thinking like in the downtime my character, like I was just thinking like that's something my character would do because he's getting frustrated because he can't talk to Mitch. And so, like, I was like, "Oh, I like could, you know, take the helmets." And like, if they're downloading, because I thought they were just like downloading our memories. Which, hey, it looks like they were. Uh, maybe I can tinker with it and figure it out, and maybe use it as a way to communicate with them. Maybe not all the time, but uh, we just never got around to it because it was always just we were just chasing after or running away from uh, things. So, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah. But yeah that that was the uh, that was the basic intent of that was to at the, the keep in mind that. When they, when you first see it, since it was a one shot, I'll be up front. They were just a, a plot convenience to keep to, You know, this is why you guys are here. Cause I like to open <coughs> games like on a cliffhanger. I think they Cold call opens. it immediate res. Cold
0: yeah. Opens, like, yeah.
1: Yeah. I like to do an immediate res thing where I just, I throw you in the situation and let you figure it out from here. Like one of my favorites used to be you're on a burning ship, <laughs> but you guys, y'all were so good at wrecking ships. But <laughs> I ultimately didn't want to make it too much a thing in this session. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I, but, yeah, that was basically the goal.
3: The other question that I had, and it was just kind of a random question, really. How long does inspiration points, like, do they last from session to session?
1: I They basically, if the session goes out during, like, they, they last, I believe, like, until you use uh, them. Or Depend. until you finish a long rest. It, it depends. You gave
3: me, you gave me an inspiration point because I knew that they were y- doing the Batusi in the parade.
0: Yeah, that's that.
3: The, the I ones still that... had that inspiration point at the end of the campaign. Yeah, I so never those used those, it. Don't,
0: those don't expire. <laughs> Yeah,
1: one of the DM gives you. Yeah, it can last until you use
3: it.
0: The, the only ones that expire or have like a, a, a time limit are the ones that Bards give, Bardicans were really.
3: I just thought that was really funny when I looked at my character sheet and I was like, "Why do I have inspiration?" Oh yeah, cuz I knew about the patuci. I never yeah. used that. Huh. <laughs>
4: yeah. I went to um, I want to interrupt for a second and say Mitch has been able to join us and he is here with us now if we want to talk a little more about Fizzle being Sure. Fizzle. Hello.
1: Yeah, Mitch, uh, if you don't mind, talk about Fizzle real fast to introduce yourself and talk about what you remember about the backstory you sent me, if you remember.
6: I don't know if I remember that backstory, but um, anyways, uh, yes, my name is Mitch. I played Fizzle. He was the Kenku bard who just wanted to make friends. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't honestly entirely remember the backstory I came up with for him. Um, I do remember not entirely realizing that Kenku couldn't talk. I just thought... <laughs> it looks like uh, an Arakoa, and I like Arakoa, so I was like, "Perfect, an Arakoa bard." And then I kind of got the news that I had to mimic people, and I was like, "You know what? Whatever, I'll stick with it." And it turned out very well and very fun.
1: Yeah, um, you could have just played an Arakoa;
6: Th- those exist as well. <sighs> this was literally my first D and D game, like ever.
4: And and we throw you, no wonder threw you, you into into deep end A- in A- chaos. A- <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, okay. What I don't, what I remember of your backstory was you, you didn't actually have one. Okay. Like, well, yeah, I, I don't recall you telling me much of anything. Um, but I had decided early, like the first time fizzle got played, I realized fairly quickly that Mitch was going to be that guy. <laughs> um, every, every campaign has a, that guy, the, that guy is the guy who will you know, you, 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 you spend 10 minutes describing this room that you're going to have a boss fight in. And they're the one who who figures out, can I just collapse the ceiling onto it and we can just leave? And you're like, what? You want to completely skip the encounter? <laughs> and and you can try to fight that guy, but it never works. You, you cannot successfully <laughs> fight that person. Or you can, like, let them do it and then make them pay for it. That's the, the, the role I took with Mitch was... Okay, Mitch wants to do something weird. <clears throat> Let's see what happens. Uh, you know? And I think I think it was Corey who actually posted a meme of it that I I think was the perfect meme. It was like, you know, so, like, like it showed a whole bunch of people looking horrified at somebody, but one guy leaning forward with like the hands, steeple going, ooh, and they were like, <laughs> that's me. Cause I can't wait to see what he does with this. Uh, <laughs> I just told people this. You weren't here, I don't, so I don't know if you heard it. But my intention was to get the hand and eye of Vecna to you as much as I could.
6: I and, I wanted them so he, badly. Here's
1: here's the thing. Do you remember the other Fizzle, the the clone Fizzle? Yeah. He wasn't a clone. Oh. He was you after you took the hand and eye of Vecna. That's why he had an eye patch. That's why he had a hook hand because he had to remove the hand and eye from his from himself. Uh, that makes sense. That I, was that was literally you. That's why he kept trying to get you to do things, because he's imagine, imagine if you travel back in time five years and tried to tell yourself from five years ago not to do something, and how frustrated that would get you when you kept having to do it because you wouldn't listen. That's that's what he was. He was you.
6: It's and, hard to listen to even myself sometimes. And, can well, I say? That,
1: that's the thing is I. At the end of the campaign, remember they, they wished for this whole thing to be over? The Hand and Eye of Vecna aren't gone, because the Hand and Eye of Vecna's destiny is to be on you.
5: <gasps>
1: so at some point, they'll if we ever did another one-shot to like bring the characters back for a session, that would be the plot. It's the Hand and Eye of Vecna are still trying to get to Fizzle.
6: Oh, and my yeah. school of <laughs> not cultists.
1: Yes. Totally,
0: sc- school for friends, totally not a cult. Yeah.
6: Exactly.
1: So that was the big secret of your character that we didn't get a chance to really explore because so much oh. stuff was happening at once was I, that your character was going to end up with the hand and I have Vecna on them, or at least it, they would, if the hand and I of Vecna had anything to say
6: about it. That's Joe and she, Ann did such a good job. Keeping I was going to
3: say, I just, yeah. my roles were like really the, good. So the, at the, playing keep yeah. away. <laughs>
0: the other funny thing too, is I was like, I was also contemplating because this is also in that, in that same time bubble where Matt had convinced us that we weren't powerful enough. It's like, well, maybe I can like carve my own eye out and rip my own hand off, put him on myself, go after my duplicate, kill him and then have the party kill me
1: <laughs> yeah I was it would have been interesting to see what happened but I, I the original goal was to see if Mitch would get them and like I didn't expect you guys to be that good at stopping him, quite
6: frankly. I the roles were not on my side yeah the
0: the dice, the dice the Dyson formed the narrative on that one
1: yeah but yeah so so like I said before, and, and as a character, a lot of the times, like, mischief was the glue holding the group together. Uh, Joe was obviously, like, the brains of the operation. Madel was very much the, you know, kind of, you know, what I, what is happening here sort of character. Uh, Zelen was just, I'm going to hit things now. You you wake me up for that. And Kanhei uh, was the, I, you know, I wasn't even supposed to be here today. But Fizzle was <laughs> definitely the, you know, I don't know what I think is going to happen now let's let's see what Mitch does and (laughs) it actually helped quite a bit for the end uh I had I struggled a bit in the middle part of the campaign when we didn't go to the magical city I did struggle a bit but once we got on the pirate ship and we started having a direction I knew where the end game was going to be I'm just gonna we're gonna talk about this the biggest curveball I've ever DM'd in my entire time DMing which has been decades now is when I have you guys all in front of the gods in the temple in Acheron and Fizzle offhandedly says he wants to befriend Virth (laughs) because I explained to these guys earlier, the cosmology thing, Mitch, you didn't get to hear this, but the cosmology was that all the gods that you were meeting became gods because of an an accident inside of a spaceship. No, like the entire reality was created by a faulty faster-than-light drive that didn't jump you to another universe. It made a new universe, and this universe that you were playing in was a universe created by that engine. And the people who are the crew of that ship became the gods. Uh, the the ones that you ran into. There were other gods, but th- those ones were originally on that ship when it was when it created this new reality. Oh. Except for Verth. Verth, the, the reality before the ship showed up and created this world inside of it. The reality was all Virth, and it was nothing. It was void. Virth was void. Virth was a giant void of nothingness, and then suddenly it had this really painful carbuncle that was a reality inside of it. And (laughs) it wanted to destroy that reality because, ow, get it off, get it off. And then you talked to it. Yeah. You were literally the first being in existence to speak to Virth. Virth had never had a conversation. Virth didn't know what a conversation was. Virth didn't know that there were people in that thing that it was trying to destroy. It didn't understand that gods existed or what they were. You were the first being ever to talk to Virth. So Virth knew Virth didn't have a personality until you talked to it. And so Verth copied the only personality it had ever run into. Aww. In other words, Verth is your kid.
3: <laughs> a chaos baby go god. Back. I need to go back and listen to that episode so that I can hear the conversation that Mitch had because we were obviously we oh, were in the yeah. other channel, we weren't party to that. Yep, and I didn't go back and listen to it because I didn't want to like spoil myself on anything. Now I need to go back and I need to listen yeah. to it. It's actually
1: really funny because you get to hear me attempting to do a person, an impersonation it of a, a, a god <laughs> doing Mitch. The, so, the it was benefit like, of the benefit of being controlling
0: is getting to hear it all in real time and trying not to laugh. Yeah.
1: Like, <laughs> we're, we're, seriously, there's a part where like Mitch is like friend, and Vertha's like. And it's like that's the first word Verth ever spoke because Verth never had to speak before. Oh god! Was, See, sometimes you just gotta give things.
6: give it a chance. Just you know.
1: I I just I felt like <laughs> I, there was there was really no way for that to actually happen without somebody helping you do it because there was no way for you to get to Verth to talk to it in the first place. But Galia is a very capricious god, and so I was like, he wants to talk to Verth. All right, and I had her port you there, but I, you're the one that made the high roll to co- to start the conversation. If you hadn't rolled high, he just would have ate you <laughs> because he wouldn't he wouldn't have known any different. You're a thing. He doesn't like things. He doesn't want things to be here, so he would have just destroyed you. But you stole you spoke to him and you rolled like wasn't it like a natural twenty or something? Some ridiculous. I think I high got like roll?
6: an eighteen. Yeah,
1: the high enough roll that I I actually had the, the the god of destruction stop and be like, wait, we're talking. What is? How does one do? Oh, okay. Friend. Uh, you know. <laughs> what does that mean? And that was, t- that was the complete curveball Cause I didn't see it coming. I had no idea it was going to happen. And because it happened, the session that I had planned was going to be you guys coming up with a way to get around that massive army of fighting demons, devils, and demons. That was the session I had planned. Was for you guys to figure that out. So we would have had a twenty session campaign because you would have had to get around those guys. Then you would have had to go into the temple, and then you would have had to go through the portal in the temple to stop everything. But because Mitch made friends with the Destroyer, uh, literally the the demon, the dragon god of destruction, Verth, the being who is like you know feared by everyone and no one could stop it. But Mitch made buddies with it. So yeah, I had to. I'm like, okay, we're just gonna, we're gonna just sweep the demon army out of the way. They're not even gonna be an issue. We're just gonna skip them because Mitch decided to make friends with destruction. <laughs> um, and that to me was like, that was one of the moments that I, I like in D and D, like like running in D and D was when the players do something and you have like, you're like, okay, that nothing I expected was go- is gonna happen now. All right, <laughs> there we go. But yeah, that was that was Fizzle's big impact on the campaign, and it's a big big impact on the campaign. So.
6: It was it was fantastic, and I was so glad that you were willing to <laughs> indulge me in that, and even like you know planning the whole controlling of the of Earth or the vessel or whatever um, it was at the end there. But
1: oh yeah, we, we definitely uh, had to, to kind of pull that one off the seat of our pants, but it worked out all right. But um, who it was, Liz, who had been talking last. Did you get to actually ask the question you wanted to ask?
4: Well, I think we kind of covered it. I mean, I was curious as to how much players gave you versus how much you winded up, wound up having to make up, like how much of this. And I think we kind of talked about that.
1: Yeah, I'll be upfront with you. Dan gave me the least. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's surprising considering Dan stayed for one session.
5: <laughs>
4: well, I think, I think what Dan was struggling with is like he had this like video game mentality where you have to yeah. get to the end. And it's like uh, when he was playing, he felt like he wasn't, you know in line with the game because there was all this role playing and he's just like I want to get to the boss and like fight it and so he decided to drop out instead of stick with us
1: uh, whatever the case is like Dan like I said Dan gave me the least which is which is why I brought him back because I'm like nope nobody escapes the campaign <laughs> uh, but yeah um so did
3: somebody I, tell him that he made a cameo at the end I I, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> no,
4: somebody I didn't. better no tell him
3: that he made a cameo at the very end <laughs>
0: Uh, I'll well, add yeah. it to my list of things that I need to report back to Dan.
1: <laughs> so, um, okay. I'm trying to think about what else to ask you guys about. So I'll ask this one. Cause that's just something I'm curious about. Is there any NPC you guys particularly remember fondly or, or for that matter, wish you'd gotten to do more with, uh, we'll start with, uh, Mitch since he's the last to show up.
6: Um, hmm. I don't know. Well, I mean, there's the, you know, the whole eye thing. Like, not, I don't know. Does that count as an NPC?
1: <laughs> it, it definitely would have been if you put the thing on. Think, you
0: definitely would. I think Vecna counts as an NPC. Yeah. Well, I
6: mean, yes, yes, but I wasn't sure if the eye alone and and the talking to me counted. Do, said, so do I'm,
0: you do you know what the eye of Vecna and the hand of Vecna is, Mitch? Like, I, let me let me ask that real quick.
6: My destiny, of course.
0: So for those of you who, who don't know,
6: I, I have no clue.
0: Yeah. So this is why, like, I, I, had, I had I think I sent Matt uh what he, when he when he when I identified them. I, like, I think I sent Matt a message that said, "Oh, you son of a!" Um, yeah, I remember. Those, he, like- he, he
1: he didn't stop at son of a; he went all the way with the phrase. <laughs>
0: um, but they are they are literally pieces of a lich god who's trying to retake physical form, and it does so by well trying to get whoever gets these artifacts to put them into themselves to rest control of their body and be born again which is why Orcus uh, hates him or Orcus and Vecna are like at odds, which is why uh, Medeal's cousin who worked for Orcus uh, was super keen about destroying it so that he couldn't come back. But yeah, there's, there's super powerful artifacts that, uh, and they are artifacts that they recently brought back. Like they hadn't, they hadn't existed in like actual form in D and D for a while. They brought oh. him back for 5th edition, and the fact that they brought him back for 5th edition and Matt put him in his game was hilariously surprising and awful. And
3: The funny part was that I know you cast Identify on them. He didn't, like, as soon as he said it was a hand and an eye, I knew what it was. Yeah,
0: same, same, like, same. Like,
3: without without you even having to yep. cast, I, I, yep, yep, I was yep. like, oh my god, what did he do? Yep. Because it wasn't just one of them, it was both of them. Both of them, of
0: them which, is, which, which <laughs> never happens. Like yeah. <laughs> in any campaign that I've ever played that it's had them, like I've seen like eyes, just, like the Eye of Vecna destroying entire civilization. <laughs> like, yeah. Ooh. What's really funny
1: is you also had the Sword of Kaz the whole time and you didn't know it.
0: I didn't have uh, access to it.
1: Yeah. You you almost Wait, did. What? You asked,
0: the wish blade mm-hmm. was the Sword of Kaz. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh mm-hmm. really?
3: Oh yep. I didn't know that.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: What do you I was waiting for somebody to. I was waiting for somebody to pick that thing up and use it, so I could. I but could mischief, that.
0: M- mischief had it, so I was. I never got yeah. a look at it.
1: Mischief had it, but didn't use it. Yep. Yeah, you, just, you know, oh, it's got a wish on it. I'm going to keep it. I'm like, no, we'll actually use it. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> so yeah, that that happened.
3: I was waiting for like a good spot for a wish, and honestly, if like if Liz, if, if she, if Connehey hadn't gotten that wish at the tail end of that mischief would have used the blade yeah that was that was going to be my next round
0: and now technically willier has (laughs) and now willier has the sword
3: yeah Yeah, but but it doesn't have a wish on it anymore (laughs)
1: Uh uh-huh the wish the wish has been used but the sword of kaz is still the sword of
0: yeah Uh
3: ah
1: so yeah there these are possible seeds for any future one shot we might do there's there are stuff out there there's stuff i left i left unresolved on purpose
3: Yeah, Mischief really doesn't care because she has the Revenant and it's like the best thing ever.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That was hard to stat out. (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, the 4d24 damage is pretty nice. Yeah. I was like,
0: like, you gave gave her a gun. I'm just like, oh God.
3: (laughs) The only annoying part about it, right? It has charges and the charges, it's like, when you it had 800 charges, and every time you fired it, it used 100 charges. So she fired it three times. So there's like five charges left on the gun, right? Yep. But in order to set it so that I, I basically had to click the button 100 times to use up the charge.
5: Oh, yeah. Okay. That's a problem. <laughs> yeah. I'll I
1: work on that. Yeah. Sorry.
3: So I was doing that like while we were playing. I'm just like click, 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 click. <laughs>
1: You could have just, you know, just noted it to yourself. You didn't actually have to do it on the character yeah, sheet. Yeah, but I was
3: keeping track of it on the character. I, I kept track of everything yeah. on the character sheet. I definitely
1: should have thought more about that. I should have just made every time you fire it, you use the charge. But yeah, either
3: okay. which way, it was like that's an amazing weapon, and mischief loves it a lot.
1: <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm trying to think. No, yeah, and so I, so we've asked Mitch, and he's he's basically said he wanted the eye to be his. An NPC he talked to more. So we'll move on to Liz. Was there any NPC you wanted to see more of?
4: I wanted to see I wanted to see my clone more, but they kind of, you know, I really enjoyed that session where we got to meet all of our clones. I felt like that was awesome. And, you know, you really captured kind of Kanahe's air of it even though this clone Kanahe was like a super rich, powerful pirate, you know?
1: Yeah, she was even more done than you are.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Somehow she was like, no, I'm so I'm twice as done as you are because I've been here for much longer. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to kind of dig into that a little more because I thought it was really neat, especially like the idea like Kanahe was really kind of thrown by the idea of like she had a merchant empire. And there was this one episode where you kind of threw us all into like a fantasy of some kind. And what you did for Kanahe was, like, oh, she's in this, like, meeting, sitting at a desk, going over, like, financial figures. And that was just, like, to Kanahe, that was, like, the ultimate thing she did not want to do ever, ever again.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, that was actually memories from the transfer. The Because of the helmets that we'd put on you guys, you uh-huh. actually, the detect thoughts worked by linking your mind to the person that was, to the clone. Like mm-hmm. the person who was was using your memories. So you yeah. were actually getting memories from their lives. Huh. The only person who didn't get one, you'll notice, was uh was Wilfer and Fizzle. Uh Willier didn't get one because he wasn't he didn't they weren't taking anything from him at that time. And Fizzle didn't get one because he wasn't cloned.
3: Mischief didn't get one though, did she?
1: You got one, but it was it was scrambled because there was nobody to, to be giving right. it to properly. The copy of you didn't have any memories
3: the copy of me was real weird yeah
1: <laughs> i figured it, there was a
3: reason for that
1: yeah it, it didn't have anything other than the fact that its body was a copy of your body it didn't have much to do with you like it didn't know anything about you it didn't have your life experiences uh because you didn't fit like the helmet didn't go on right they couldn't get anything out of you so that's why she was just kind of nuts
4: but I would have, I would have liked to kind of play around with that dichotomy more. But we kind of, we we ran off and we did other things instead. Yeah. And our our clones ran off and did other things instead. I don't know. Can you? Where did they go? Where did our clones go? Where did that group go? Can you tell us?
1: Um, there's a city called the City of Brass. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a city on the elemental plane of fire. I will say that. The, you didn't.
0: The, you didn't.
1: Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll say that they're there, and that's that's all I'm going to give you right now, because, oh. like I said, there's stuff I might want to do with it later.
0: Oh, that's hilarious. Hmm. That, for, for for those of you that don't, I'm not going to go too far into City of Brass, but City of Brass is one of those things that's hilarious uh, and terrible all at the same time. It's something that's existed in D&D forever, but also uh, technically, I guess, is the first crossover between Magic and D&D. Because it's also one of the very old, very powerful magic cards, City of Brass, uh, that serve much the same purpose in both games, uh, which is hilarious, at least to It's me.
3: like pulling another Vecna on us. It, it really is.
0: <laughs> it absolutely
3: is.
1: Yeah, I, I've been playing DD for a long time, so sometimes these things come in. But yeah, the, the, I'll say that, that that's where they are, except for older Fizzle, who is in the future. Woohoo! okay uh so that's liz deb uh any npcs you wanted to see more of or felt like didn't get used enough
2: um no not really um i we all had fun on the boat so i'd love to see some more boat adventures um
1: you guys, you, you seem to overestimate the survival rates of boats you get on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we're all, we're all, we have a tendency to, cra- to crash and burn everything we touch, um, which has its own um, amusing things. It, you know, what if what if we'd um, um, joined a, a caravan or something <laughs> you know, and, and the uh, circle the wagons, the whole thing, um, but um no i i enjoyed all of the the characters um and i'm taking it my character was kind of taking it all in um where we go from here etc and um and so i don't really have anybody other than this cousin um that i want to to do things with again i'm i'm along for the ride this will be fun
1: I'm gonna say that Randall, the dwarf barkeep from the first few episodes, is really sad you didn't remember him because he had a crush on you. From he was constantly stammering and, and awkward around Medill. and Medill didn't even notice he existed. Didn't
2: even notice. Didn't even notice. Yes. I- well, well, that would be a good thing to to throw into to the next thing, and, and you know, and then having Malachi go, you know, he likes you. He likes you. Oh, get out of here. He does not. He's just yeah. being polite. That's no. how we're taught.
1: He'll come back as a villain. <laughs> you snubbed me. I don't even know who you are. But yeah, okay. So that's Medea wants to see more uh Malachi, and I'm I won't I won't lie. I enjoyed playing Malachi, especially doing this bad <laughs> accent that I'm terrible at and that I forget to do oftentimes. <laughs> I, I that like supposed those or is that supposed to be Russian. It's both, it's neither. It's 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 uh, not it's a, just
0: a demon.
2: <laughs> I enjoy those types of um uh, not really self-contained, but those types of adventures where, yeah, going through a dungeon is is fun, exciting. Um, traps, oh lord! I have never ever finished Tomb of Horrors. For those of you who've been around D D for you a don't long fin- time,
0: you don't finish Tomb you don't, of Horrors. Yeah, do it right. I
2: know you don't you, finish you give,
0: it, you, you, you give up or you die.
2: <laughs> exactly. But I, I never. We got. Um, the very, I still have my my very. When it came out, I bought the the scenario. I still have the um, the flyer, and we did. I want to say half of the first level, and then just said, you know, we're not gonna make it, and we never finished. We never finished. It never got any farther. And but there's a lot to be said for doing those kinds of adventures. But I do also like the ship adventures um the the very first ship where we're trying to get away from a dragon and kanahe says okay how about if i turn it around the ballista i turn it around and she rolls high enough to shoot the thing in the breast that was yep. amazing
1: that was uh, there were some real revelatory moments in that session for me one of them was fizzle immediately trying to get into the chair. <laughs> like a sec- immediately not doesn't even know what the chair does and he's trying to get into it uh, another was will was will like recognizing the situation and trying desperately to get people to do the rational thing uh Zelen, <laughs> who's like I want to kill that dragon that, that dragon is enormous <laughs> yeah I know I very much want to kill it uh mischief trying to take care of everybody Kanahe trying to t- explain to people how boats work <laughs> it's like this is a- it's a flying boat but it's still a boat it basically works like this yeah, that that was one of those things where I was like, okay, all right, I, I kind of know what I'm going to do here. I kind of know how I'm going to get people to point it from point A to point B. So yeah, I, I I did like that ship. But when you guys wrecked that ship, I said to myself, that's 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 probably not going to be a thing in the the whole campaign that they wreck boats. I mean that would be ridiculous.
0: And then it and happened I, again. Yeah,
1: the next boat you were on, boom, blew it up. But uh, okay, that that's medieval wish. So. Uh, we'll move on to Anne. Anne, any NPCs you wanted to see more of or liked exploring or were interested in or what have you?
3: Two answers. Um, first one, tongue-in-cheek answer. Um, the salesman from uh, not excuse me, Kanahe's C- Con- Emporium.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah.
3: <laughs> that poor man. Yeah. <laughs> just take it. It's yours. You run just, the place. Just take it. <laughs> I loved I him. Was, I thought he was great. <laughs>
4: I was trying so hard to be incognito because again, I think Matt had sold the threat of all of this so hard that I was like, okay, I don't want to be involved in this. I want to lay low and not get in trouble because I'm some sort of big evil pirate.
3: It was amazing. I loved that NPC. (laughs) I thought he was fantastic. And then um, when we, okay. So the one where we joined in on the parade and we like where they were doing the Batusi and all that, like, at the end of that, that creepy weird dude that we were talking to—the mind Flayer? yes I would. I, 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 wish we could have talked to them more because that was like just interesting. The friendly weird. mind Flayer
1: who knew your mom.
3: Yes. Yeah. I, I was like, I want to know more about that dude. Like, what? What's his story? <laughs> and we we never got back to him or anything.
1: Uh, unfortunately, yeah, you never actually got back to Sigil. Uh, but yeah, I, I I understand. I I did like the the NPC you were talking about first, the uh, shopkeep guy, because yeah. that was. I'll I'll be upfront. I just improv that dude. Yeah, I just, he was I fantastic. <laughs> I just improv him. I'm like, you know, she comes in. I'm like, eh, he recognizes you. Like, it's you. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, how thank you for gracing my shop. Yeah, yeah. Down low, down low. <laughs> kind of doing everything in her power day. like, ixnay on the oh it's ua uh, he like, and he's like it's so wonderful no just take anything you want uh, take this staff of wizardry it's yours after all yeah that was that was a lot of fun actually that guy was and then you guys got attacked in the middle of it
3: yeah and that, that was like the best part that was, was random like, that poor man
1: that was a random dice thing i just had a I had a, a chart of possible things that could happen i rolled some dice like, oh you get attacked all right things attack uh so yeah that whole thing was crazy but okay uh so those oh, are the...
2: oh speaking of random stuff okay. the random stuff at the end of the game uh the last thing where where we're roll me a percentile percentile dice
1: oh okay. magic.
3: dolphins show up The dolphins was amazing. Yeah.
1: I I actually, that one was, there's a wild magic chart already in the game. They, they've put Mm -hmm. it for like things. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to use that one, but I, I like the idea. So I basically uh, sat down with the concept of what the engine is and what it does. The engine basically reacts to thought and makes it real. So I, I came up with a chart of like, some of those are blank spaces. Like if I rolled that number, I got a blank space and I could just say whatever I felt like. Uh, and one of those, uh, one of you rolled, uh, but the rest were all stuff that I just put on there. The one that I really didn't expect to happen because it, it was a like, I think it was like an 83 or some weird. I, I forget what the number that Liz rolled was, but it was exactly that roll and nothing else. Only that number would have gotten that particular result. And you just happened to roll it. The wish spell. Yeah. yeah. And so it was basically just me trying to adapt a wild magic. To, to this setting, to this thing that we were doing, because it wasn't quite the same as Wild Magic, but it, it close enough for God it.
3: Was it was super fun, though.
1: But, yeah. It really
3: um,
4: was. It was so much fun.
1: That one also, I put it in it, there were some ones that would have been really bad for you guys, and you managed to avoid every single one of them. Like, there, was, there, was, there was one because. that would have literally turned you all into frogs.
3: <laughs> I could have been frog wizard? To- oh, to- man, now you tell me! I was to- me. waiting for something bad to happen, and then it never did. Yeah, you but just I was w- I w- every every time they were rolling a percentile die I was just sitting there going oh god it, it's gonna happen something's gonna happen it's gonna be bad whatever it is
1: <laughs> yeah there was one that you got that was like free space basically that I could have said I could have had nothing happen or I could have just described something bad happening to you or whatever um but I went with the uh was it the, it wasn't the dolphin one was it the butterfly one wasn't there a I mean, butterfly the, one
2: yes I got turned into a butterfly and it was the next day as I was kind of thinking it over, I said, You idiot. You should have said, Yes, I am Mothra
1: Yeah, I I don't remember which one was the one that I that I just improved, but the rest were all written down. But yeah, okay, so that, that did happen. Um, I'm trying to think, who's who hasn't I haven't asked you yet, Joe, right?
0: Uh about nope. like the NPC thing. So yeah. yeah, go ahead, NPCs. Honestly, like I just enjoyed interacting with any of the NPCs you had up. Uh my favorite just for the sheer hilarity and weirdness of it was bubbles. Uh um, <laughs> yes, I love monkey. bubbles. Because it, it was just one of those things is like, okay, yeah, it's a giant monkey. I'm gonna befriend the giant monkey. Uh, that that's what's gonna happen. Uh also because it was a giant monkey. I love giant monkeys. Uh but yeah, no, honestly, like I like interacting with your NPCs. I feel that they always have uh you know, good characterization and, and interesting motives, and trying to figure out where your inspiration is from them is always hilarious. So.
1: Yeah, a lot of them are actually stolen from video
0: games.
3: The bears um, were great, too.
1: Oh, yeah, the three bears? Yes. Yeah, that, that <laughs> one's pretty obvious where I got that from. Um, but yeah. I, I needed, I just, you guys didn't want to go to Piador, and I didn't have anything, and I'm like, I got to come up with something to just, just something for them to be doing while I try to think of what to do now. Uh, Bears. Talking bears. And good, go with it
4: you were lucky that you had Mitch there who would Im- immediately run into any weird, probably a trap thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, Cause as at this point, Mitch had established, like I said earlier, when Mitch decided he wanted to befriend a 200 foot long sea monster, that was so far away from him that there was no chance he could reach it in any way. I should have known Mitch will always be down to like, you know, just, be useful to me in this regard Like if i <laughs> if i if i need something to happen i can just just dangle a carrot off in the distance and fizzle will be like friend and run at it yeah uh, so that that was actually very helpful for that um for me uh i want to say this the, the npcs i really regret not having done more with are the herd of talking fire cows
0: yeah those are pretty
3: good yes <laughs> they were great yes
1: um I love that that only thing that even only happened because you guys had these helmets, a comprehend language that you had scrounged out of the, uh, the diadems. And uh, uh, that was, also,
4: will your cast tongues on Conaghy? Yeah. So she could actually speak to them.
1: Yeah. But you didn't, the only reason you knew that they could talk to you was because you had the comprehend languages hats, hats <laughs> on. And so as, as you, one of them came closer to you, you heard one of them yell out, Hey, get away from those things. You don't know where they've been. <laughs> and that it all went from there. And that was all pretty much improv because I, I had no idea where I was going with that. I didn't intend those guys to be anything. It just that that happened. So I, I went with it. And I always regretted that I never got to bring them back because I had this idea in my head that they traveled from plane to plane that they like they would graze in the the you know the the outlands of the concord and opposition plane and then they would go to say Acheron and graze there and then they would go to the prime material plane and find a place and graze there and they were constantly moving through the portal network that's just what they were doing um and i never got to really use them again the closest i got was they 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 popped up on Akron when you guys were going to the temple they they walked by you saw them
5: mm-hmm.
1: and i wa- and if you had gone up to them i would have like we could have done more interaction with them, but you all were flying and you weren't really in charge of the boat, so it ended up just being a cameo. But I regretted that. I wanted to do more with those guys. Um, there was just something about a, a herd of of completely sapient cow people. Uh, they're just cows. They're not minotaurs. They're just cows. They don't have hands. They they just do cow things. But they just they do cow things, but can talk and understand what's going on. Uh, I, I just I like them. I, and I I regret not having come up with more for them but uh okay that pretty much handles that um hmm i'm trying to think of what else well this is there's the thing then what did you guys expect to get picked up that didn't like what what were you thinking was going to happen that didn't happen and then i'll talk about what i expected to happen that didn't happen not the big thing that we all know but there were some other things so so we'll start with joe this time what did you expect to happen that didn't happen
0: Honestly, I didn't. Um, I learned very early on to sort of just kind of roll with whatever was going on because i I couldn't really predict where you were going. and I, I really enjoyed that. So I didn't really bank on getting anything picked up in particular. I just kind of like rolled with it, so,
1: okay? Uh, Liz?
4: yeah, I got to agree with Joe that uh, kind of your ideas were so wildly creative and unpredictable that I never entirely knew what was going to happen next. Uh, one of the things that I figured would be key, and you've talked about some of this, is those you know, futuristic areas that were obviously part of this spaceship you've talked about, that we would land in. I figured we would learn more about them, or like maybe figuring out what they actually were was going to be key to this and uh I mean, we wandered through them, and we figured out some things, but we never really we never connected the dots as to what they were because we we walked past some of those connecting parts and never dug into it,
1: yeah, I, I mean, part of that was that we didn't get to unes and yeah. uh, had you actually gotten to UNES, it would have a lot of it would have been a lot more apparent uh deb
2: um a uh, long time d and d player, so i'm I'm very. I agree with joe and and <laughs> liz that that um you when you're a longtime time dnd player um y- you learn to roll with the punches mm-hmm. um that okay i came in to the last fight thinking and looking at all my spells all right i'm going to do this i'm going to do this if joe hadn't um knocked down that force field uh, my next action was going to be to run up to the force field and cast anti-magic shell on myself and see if that would take it down and then there was well all right uh Zelen has lost 50 or is down to 52 health hit points i think he said all right well i can get him with a mass heal and i had figured out how many um hit points i can and and you, you go in and you plan these things, and then the first thing that happens is Mitch goes, Brand? Hey, okay. <laughs> All right, that noise you hear is me tearing up my list of things I'm going to do. <laughs> um, but that's the beauty of Dungeons & Dragons, is that even though you have an idea that we are facing the final boss, this game and i'm this level and i can cast these spells and this is what i'm really going to prepare and and as a cleric you don't prepare your spells as a a wizard you have to prepare yeah and and so going into a fight you make the best
5: guess, guess as yep. what you're
2: gonna need and and all it takes is friend and oh <laughs> i everything i was gonna do is gone so rolling with the punches it, I, I i really enjoyed it really really enjoyed it
1: better bring the microphone down to my face uh <laughs> mitch anything
6: um i i do agree with liz a little bit on the like the the real world stuff i was i was kind of curious where that would go and like expecting a little more of it i'm, I'm that's not, not a complaint i just kind of was like huh i wonder what uh, this is all about. No, I but, mean, there's,
1: there's obviously always going to be stuff you intend to do that you just don't get to.
6: Yeah, yeah, and oh, again, yeah. nothing wrong with that. I love where it went. But I think the, um, the less surprising part of this is that um, I didn't necessarily go into sessions thinking this is what I want to do or this is what I want to make happen. It was more, um, how can I use my spells and abilities to make fun things happen? Or <laughs> how can I prepare to just... Take this in a, a different direction.
1: Do you remember the, the the saddest time in that campaign? And I think this was a missed call on my part. You have an ability that when you kill somebody, you can steal their appearance. I and- I was
6: going to bring that up. Yeah, that was that mm-hmm. was my favorite. One of my favorite moments in the campaign is when I stole the stole someone's corpse shadow, and then you're like, yeah, you can't talk though. Yeah. So I was just mimicking to his guard friend, like, uh, and yeah, that was. That was one of the the really fun parts, but that's a good example of, you know, kind of the sort of thing I would do before a game is look at my spell sheet and remind myself like, all right, I have this weird steel shadow thing. I have, I can write in the sky for whatever reason. So stuff like that is more how I would prepare and, uh, you know, try to figure out, do I have weird niche spells that I can, you know, try to bust out at the most random time? If you're looking
1: for weird niche spells, you pick the right class. <laughs> Bard, Bard is great for weird niche spells.
6: And and that was that was the cool thing, too, at the end there, was I was able to use, like, polymorph and stuff, because I was, you know, I know that's not technically a part spell, but I was able to get it with everything else that I did. And, yeah, uh, so it was, it was less about where did I want it to go and more how can I make it go in a random direction? <laughs> yeah, and it was very useful.
1: Uh, so, okay, we've handled Joe. We've handled, uh, I guess, Anne. I guess you haven't been asked
3: yet. Okay, so, like... um I know everybody else is like Oh roll with the punches is so much more fun You just react to things But the thing is Rossi I know you mm-hmm. <laughs> And we've spent so much time speculating on things Over the years That like I expected you to lay down things That were going to tie in late- And I was trying to read you Like we read World of Warcraft Yeah I, I knew you
1: were <laughs> I, I couldn't even blame you Because it's like it's what I would do Yeah <laughs> I mean, we saw how many hours did we spend late at night going, ooh, what if? Yeah. I, I know, I
3: right? Okay. So the thing with me that I was expecting to something bigger to happen and it just didn't was those quote unquote temples that were like different levels of, I guess, that research facility or whatever it was. It was the ship's
1: engineering core.
3: The, yeah, exactly. I thought that at some point because they were layered and they were layered across re- that we were going to like... Bring them back together again, and do something with the intact facility.
6: Oh, that was yeah,
1: that was yeah. in fact something that could have happened. <laughs> focused on it. <laughs> um, you remember in the in the first time you went through the gates, that demon thing showed up and was trying to c- to control you.
3: It pretended to be my friend. Yeah,
1: yeah. Right? It was, That creature um, is a being. He has various names. One of them is Grazd, and he was also pretending to be your father. Right, um, and he wanted to get you to re. He wanted to beat the Chain Devil by outmaneuvering him. The ah. Chain Devil, uh, Druzog. Um, he he was trying to use the two engines to just hit blank slate on the world and recreate it with him as the as the supreme deity. He was going to literally wipe existence. That was what he was going for. Uh, Grazit wanted to get you guys to recombine the various levels of the engineering core. So that he could shunt all the power from the engines through you. Ooh. And pus- he says you're you're the idealized result of the wish that Galia granted to uh to your mother. He was going to use you as as a means to create himself into the world. Huh. So that was where he was trying to go. And if you guys had spent more time like there was the whole thing with that Gith Yankee guy. Yeah. Yeah, if you guys had ended up reconnecting with that guy, if you tried to find him, uh, he was actually not have been all that hard to find and you could have it was gone on my, that
0: route legitimately on my list when I was thinking about allies to try to grab is like yeah, it, I freed this per or we freed this person, made right. friends, they probably have more dragon riders, this might be useful.
1: Yeah, if you guys had gone to um the astral plane and found the Geth Yankee, uh you absolutely could have gone on, on a whole thing to reassemble the engine core. <laughs> that okay. was that was a possibility.
3: I'm satisfied now because I was correct,
1: <laughs> yeah. no, I, I, when I described it as as looking like a s like if you'd cut the building into pieces, like it was yeah. sliced. yeah, yeah that's that was that was in on purpose. That was actually straight up. um, I was aiming that at you because I, I figured it was
3: deliberate. I figured yeah. it was deliberate because in the first one that we got into. That was the other NPC that I was actually interested in seeing more of was the one that was pretending to be Yeah my yeah, friend. He never the actually friend came back. died. Yeah. yeah. He, and he never came back or anything. And I was like, huh, I wonder what was up mm. with that. But when we entered that place, I, I didn't really think about it until we got to the second level where all of a sudden it was like, Oh, it's that research facility, but it's a different slice of it. And then I was like, He's planning something. He's gotta be planning something with it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was absolutely a possibility, but uh,
0: we, we just literally ran out of time. Uh, speaking, speaking of running out of time, I think yeah, we, are. We, we should probably start doing our final thoughts soon.
1: Uh, well, I mean, I guess I will take the opportunity to to do a little bit of that. There's just talking about how I planned the campaign and that I didn't. Like I said before, there was a one shot. That's all I had in mind, uh, all I thought we were going to do. So when we moved to a campaign... I actually spent the next couple sessions watching how you guys reacted to things. Um, and that was how I came up with the overarching plot. That's how I came up with. Will you as the bad guy? Sort of. That's how I came up with time traveling fizzle. That's how I came up with the clones that came in and came out of the story. Everything that I was doing to point you guys towards Peador and get you into the, into Peador was part of that couple of sessions. And then, when you guys didn't go to piador and i have harped on this sometimes to to needle joe but the truth is you can never as a dm expect people to do anything you have Mm -hmm. to be ready to go okay they're not doing it but when you guys decided to go to piador it became my mission in life to get you into piador by the end of the campaign (laughs) (laughs) from then on there was nothing everything was aimed towards i sacrificed things like like and just talked about had you guys pushed on it, you could have gone and, and dealt with the Githyanki thing and so forth. But I deliberately let that fall by the wayside to get you into Piador. I moved one of the engine points to Piador. It wasn't originally there. I moved it there so that you would go there. I had decided at that point, oh, you don't want to go to Piador, huh? You're going to Piedor. Uh, But you're going to Piador in a way that doesn't railroad you into it. I'm not going to force you to go there. I'm just going to make the end of the campaign be there. Uh, and part of the reason I did that was spite because i'm a terrible person but (laughs) part the other reason though was because it was a symbol of all the stuff you guys had circumvented and and changed by your actions this was this was the DD campaign with the most player change to my plans that i've ever had and i want to say that like kudos to y'all um (laughs) especially mitch is up there but but joe and liz and Anne and deb and everybody uh, everybody, but Andrew, cause he came in late and he didn't really get a chance to, but everybody who interacted with that arc going up to Peador, you all did things that just amazed me. Like when the, Joe leaned into his, I look just like the bad guy thing to throw them off or mischief just made friends with people, you know, like, Hey, how you doing? And they were like, what, what's happening? Why are you talking to me? Or fizzle, you know, would like get himself shrunk into a bottle. Like, you, do you remember that that's why Fizzle was kidnapped? Because you put yeah. him in a bottle? Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you put He's, Fizzle in the bottle, and then, of course, the guy stole him. Why these wouldn't things he? things happen. <laughs> just, so I really want to say this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for the most surprising campaign I've ever run. Uh,
6: <laughs> Thank you. you know, so Thank
1: you. It wasn't just hey. you saying all this stuff about me being creative and everything. It, it wasn't just me. It was very definitely because of y'all. Because without you guys, this would have been a much more straightforward campaign. So I'm really happy about how it ended. I'm really happy with how we got there. And I'm really happy that you were forced to go to PA.
0: I think I I, I, I don't want to say I speak for everybody, but thank you very much for running it, Matt. It was a very fun time. Uh, I think I really enjoyed... Uh, bouncing off of everybody, not really having a game plan and just kind of like leaning into the the different aspects of uh the different characters and sort of seeing where everything uh so I'm I'm very happy with how that works.
3: I'm going to miss rolling insanely high stealth checks and just hiding <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> you you were like
1: <laughs> your dice for stealth checks you would roll like a three on an attack but then a like a not like a 33 on your stealth check. And I'd be like why is it always your stealth checks?
3: So uh, my, my stealth, um, because I'm proficient in it, um, is a plus 15. Yeah, but you'd roll like you'd get 35s. Right, and you, that's because I also had um, the the talent thing where it was like if you roll below a certain number, it's automatically a ten. Oh yeah, wow. I know. You just, you
1: you just were nuts. It was yeah, it was amazing. It watching. was stupid
3: funny though because it was like there's nowhere to hide. I'm going to roll a stealth check anyway. I'm hidden. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Mischief's just really nonchalant. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> she the, shot the me with that big gun,
3: but
0: expertise yeah. is a wonderful thing.
1: But uh, all right, I guess that's basically it for this go, guys. Um, pretty much out of time so thank you
3: so much matt that was like yeah, the best you. it was so much fun
1: well thank you guys all for being here and playing in it um this has been the uh the Rioton campaign wrap-up um yeah uh we're gonna do a the campaign. DD
3: one-shot spectacular
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 19 sessions later we are at the end of the one-shot spectacular um Hopefully we're, we're, we're working on a new campaign probably for January, maybe for February. Uh, we're still, we're still ironing out stuff. Joe and I are going to co-run it, which means we're going to have to swap characters a lot, which is going to be exciting because we came up with a plan for that. Uh, th- you know, thanks to everybody for being here. That could be here. Uh, thank you to Mitch, Deb and Ann for showing up. Uh, thank you to Joe and Liz who are always here for Tavern Watch for, for coming up with the idea to do this little uh, campaign wrap up. And uh, thank you to me. <laughs> Uh, I don't yeah, have anything to think Thank you. Matt. Yes.
5: Thank,
3: <laughs> but, uh, thank uh, you. It was a great man. game.
1: <laughs> it's my birthday in 2 days. So, uh,
3: oh, happy yeah.
4: birthday in advance.
1: Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's it guys. Uh, thank you very much. I, I would like to this? chime
4: I would like to chime in that we are playing another D&D game. We're playing Wild Beyond the Witchlight next weekend on December 11th that may be our last Tavern Watch thing for this month. Um we'll see, Holidays. you know, December December. Everyone has the weird schedules and, uh, as Matt said, we may have a new game in January or we may be playing more Witchlight. We're going to be playing more Witchlight regardless. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah.
1: I get to play a bunny bard in that one.
4: Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a wild it's a wild ride.
1: But, all Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, this has been Tavern Watch, as we said. Uh, if you guys want to jump up over our Patreon, uh, Blizzard Watch, you know, slash Patreon, that would be really great. We could use the help. Uh, We're doing a Patreon drive right now, so go give that a look. And, uh, yeah, we'll be here next week for the Witch Late Game. Uh, Thank you guys for being here with us.
0: Thanks, everyone.
4: Thanks.